I mean, if you're going to be like equal rights, I mean, he she double crossed him. Like she kind of deserved to get this shit slapped out of her. Equal rights, equal fights. Is that what you're saying? Equal rights, equal fights, man. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched, and again, this month, we finally rewatched Drive. Do you remember uh, Do you remember when you first saw this movie? Kind of. I believe I actually saw it in theaters, if I'm not mistaken. The, the thing that I walked away the most from this movie, my first time watching it, was the cinematography. I think this was when I was first like really getting into film and filmmaking. And so like I was paying attention to like things that I normally didn't pay attention to. <laughs> and um, it it's actually kind of funny because this movie, I did not think Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> God damn it, Ryan Gosling uh, was that good of an actor just because I guess I didn't really appreciate reaction um, acting. And and I guess I I kind of focused on more like you know dialogue acting, but and then I watched it maybe like eight years ago showing uh, Taylor the movie, and I was like, oh yeah, the music's great, the cinematography is great. The scene that sticks in in my mind the most is um, as far as like cinematography wise is the end where uh, it's the lighthouse on the beach where he kills Nino. It's like, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a film at that time. And so, but I was always disappointed in, in his, uh, in Gosling's acting. And then I have a much more appreciation for acting and like the nuances of it. And like watching it this time again, I was like, I'm an idiot. I'm like, he is so good. Like when he's in the grocery shop and he sees, uh, uh, her name is Mulligan, right? Carrie Mulligan, yeah, plays Irene. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan. Uh, Carrie Mulligan in the in the shopping aisle with her son, and he like looks at her, and he he has this like twinkle in his eye, and then he has this realization that his like his life can't really, his life would mess her up, right? Mess her life and her son's life up, and he avoids her, and then he goes opposite down the aisle, avoids her down the next aisle, and um. And I was like, he doesn't say anything. He just looks at her and then he looks at her a different way. And then he just goes, goes a different path. And I don't know how I missed it before, but I was like, he says so much with saying absolutely nothing. And isn't that really like the epitome of acting? Like you say everything with, with saying nothing. It's just in the, in the expression in the eyes. And so, yeah, definitely. I'm, I, I think this is such a cool movie. There's two things that surprised me in this film, watching it after all these years that I just didn't remember is how short the runtime was. And the fact that Oscar Isaac is in this film at all. Um, but every, everyone is so great in this movie. Um, this, this kind of fell off my radar as being like in my top 10 or my top 20 films, but like watching it again, I'm like, it's kind of back. It's back on the list. And I think it's just overall a really, really well, done movie oh is it my turn Uh, i um so and i i was trying to pinpoint when this happened because i became a pretty big gosling guy back in the day 
and it had to be before drive. And I think it might have been fracture that I was like, because he basically goes toe to toe with Anthony Hopkins in that, in that movie. Um, and a lot of reviews kind of agreed with this at the time was like, this movie's not very good, except for the fact that you have these two guys just going at each other. And then before that, um, murder by numbers, which is a movie we'll do at one, at one point. Um, he's just kind of amazing in, um, and so I saw a trailer for drive and I was like, you know, the trailer was like, kind of had the, the whole mood of the movie. And then it had like all the pink, like the pink writing for all the, the titles and the headings and all that. Um, and I was just like, that looks fucking awesome. So I went to a theater in Gainesville when I was in law school, uh, by myself and I sat in the theater and then there were like a group of two couples. So like four people in the back, I, I could literally hear one of the girls ask her date. She's like, is that guy down there by himself? <laughs> yeah, we get it. You sad life before meeting Ashley. Yeah, or, or just, you know, it was pretty sad. No, but, um, and then they left like 10 minutes in. I was like, thank fucking goodness. Like, <laughs> if, if I could hear you talk like that early on. Um, I fucking love this movie. And I think this was my favorite movie of the year. This is also the same year that Warrior came out, which is another movie I love. Um, and so, like, it's a big year for me. It's a big year for our podcast. Um and I think a lot of people who didn't like this movie were like, oh, it's just, it just doesn't fucking say anything. And that was, so this is based off a book. And there's a lot of dialogue in the book, especially from Gosling's character, apparently. And the director and Gosling and Carrie Mulligan just decided that it wasn't really necessary. Like, there was a lot of dialogue between Carrie Mulligan and Ryan Gosling about, like, their relationship, um, their feelings for each other, etc. And um, they're just like, you don't really need that and you don't right like the looks right. they give each other just like the time they spend together um when he just offers to drive her here and there like it all it's like a really good romance without like anything you know what i mean there's the, the elevator kiss scene but just like yeah no it, like literal expressions of their of their love just like visual it's kind of crazy, right? Because you you have these characters coming together because her car breaks down, and I and I love how everything is kind of vehicle motivated and centered, right? Um, but like her car breaks down, so it doesn't like go with the whole like, oh, do you need a lift? Oh, yeah, that would be very much appreciated, or anything like that. You just see him like the next cut as he's walking to her smoking hood, um is he's helping he's walking in their apartment carrying her groceries right and so you you have that scene and then you have later on you have his hand on the gear shift her hand goes on his or something like that and then they share a look the only heavy dialogue you have is from Brian Cranston in the whole movie well and that and that was purposeful from him because he was like, Well, if no one else is gonna talk, then I you know, my character should do like a lot of talking. Um and it was really interesting how like all the people so uh I read something that like this was Gosling's first opportunity where he was given a movie and they were t- they told him he could choose the director. Um and he was like, Oh, 
I choose Nicholas Winden Refn. And I was like, I, before this movie, had never heard of this guy. Um, and then after, I was like, I have to see everything he does. And then I saw Only God Forgives. And I was like, not as good, but like sticks with you. <laughs> yeah, but, but Only God Forgives comes out after um, after Drive. And then like this, I, I don't see a movie in his IMDb that he did before Drive. So he did a, a set of three movies, Pusher, Pusher 2, Pusher 3. Um, he also did Bleeder and Furex, which I've never heard of. Um, and Bronson was probably, if I had to guess, it was probably Bronson that got uh, Ryan Gosling to want to work with him. It might have been Valhalla Rising. I don't know. It probably could have been a combination. Um, but Bronson is actually one I had seen before, maybe around the same time as this. I don't know. Um, it's that like Tom Hardy plays like one of the most notorious criminals in, in the UK. Um, and so like, it was just, it was just odd to me reading this now. Cause it's like, I had seen Bronson, but I just like, didn't look to like, see who directed it. You know what I mean? I didn't, it wasn't a thing I did like back in the day. Um, but it's just interesting. Like, so Gosling chose him as the director and then um, the director uh, he's, I read this in an article. I didn't know if he was just trying to be funny or not, but he said the director of an education, which was Carrie Mulligan's kind of breakout role recommended her. And he was actually looking for a Latina character. Cause that's what the character was in the book. But right. he met Carrie, he met Carrie Mulligan and was like, fuck, that's it. Like that's the person. And then Brian Cranston, uh, he like really wanted Brian Cranston. And this wasn't even from breaking bad. It was, I guess from something else. And, uh, Malcolm in the middle. I understand. Obviously. Um, but you know how how Brian Cranston got on Breaking Bad? Uh, uh, the creator of that like did one episode of, I think, X-Files with him. And it was like, that's my guy. Oh, and yeah, so, yeah. Like, that's right. So, I did know that. So for the rest of the world, they're like, why is the Malcolm in the Middle dad like a, a meth dealer? <laughs> um, right. But yeah, so it's... And that's, you know, when Brian Cranston came on and they were making all these changes. Um, it's also crazy is I read that uh, Carrie Mulligan lived with him while they were filming this movie because she had just broken up with her boyfriend and had no place to live. And her ex-boyfriend, she lived with the director and her ex-boyfriend that she had just broken up with was Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, my God. And then also, like, in order to find, like, the shooting locations in L.A., uh, the director said that he just wrote a Ryan Gosling just drove him around LA looking for places to shoot at night. I mean, that's how you do it. And, and everything seemed like on location. Nothing really seemed like a set, maybe the motel room where everyone is shot up, but that's, that could pretty much be it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, even that though, I mean, I mean, I guess it could have been, but the way like, when you when they open the doors and the guy out of the window, it looked like kind of legit, but it, I guess it could have been a set. Um, why don't we uh, start from the beginning? And I think this opens up like as iconically as you can. It's probably it's one of my two or three favorite scenes from this movie. It's probably it might even be number one. Just opening up with the first kind of you know bank robbery scene that he's in it's not a bank it's just the robbery scene that where he's the driver you know opens up right. with him you know saying like you know you have a five minute window uh a minute either side of that and you know i'm out but within that five minutes i'm yours and it had me thinking this time does the whole getaway have to take place in that five minutes or just the start of the getaway has to take place in that five minutes 
Yeah. I'm not for details as the robber. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, but um, but then again, like, if the robber has to ask for details, and we have more dialogue in this movie than than we want, so can't have it's that. Not, it just sounds really cool, but it's also like I don't understand what that means. And then I timed, yeah, like, the, I timed the getaway. It was like five and a half minutes. I was like, okay, so maybe it's just like the start well, the half. Yeah, well, the half minute was because the the second guy wouldn't come out of the store on time. And you know what I don't understand too is that this happens also later on in the movie with Oscar Isaac. Is that if if you're falling behind or something the person who actually makes it on time like makes it out of the store first um in this in in the in this case the the guy and then later on christina Hendricks. um why don't you know what's happening with your partner back there like you have the money what what's the hold up like is he shooting someone like you know what i mean it just seems like a weird it's a weird um conflict to have yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's other questions I have about that, the second robbery when we get there. But um, so we we get all this set up. We get the, the first song, which I think, I don't know, I asked you what your favorite song is from this movie. And I feel like the first one is kind of the most iconic. Um, the hero one? No, no. the It's the one where the, um, the, like, the quarter goes in the jukebox and then it starts playing. Well, my my favorite song is when they're he takes Carrie Mulligan and her son driving down the uh, the water. So a real hero, a real hero. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most iconic uh, song from the film. I don't know. It plays there and it plays at the end as he's like bleeding out. No, that's not that's not it for you. I don't know. I think the opening one or that one is is probably the two. I mean, there's only like. There's like five, really. Well, the like, thing the is, though, is that the whole soundtrack to this to this movie is uh, amazing. I mean, to the point where we like reference it uh, while we don't do this film. You know, I think it's just like an iconic soundtrack, and and the way they pick the songs and the vibe for the for the whole film just goes really well with the subject matter. Under Your Spell is a good one, too. So, yeah, the, the first one's called Night Call. And um, uh, so one time I went with some friends to Bonnaroo, and we left Jacksonville at 8 o'clock at night. And drove to Manchester, Tennessee, which is like it's like a nine-hour drive. Sure. So just straight through the night. And then when we went through Atlanta, uh, Zach, who you've met, was the only one awake with me. And we put on the drive soundtrack as we were driving <laughs> through Atlanta. And it starts with like the night call song. You felt and more like, badass than you deserved. <laughs> it's now like it's now a thing we like have to do every time we like every time I'm driving through with him. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's why to me. But I also agree, a real hero. And that, like I said, there's like five songs, and they're all fucking great. Um, so we meet Shannon. He uh, he gives him the Chevy Impala, and he's like, you know, this is what you wanted—the most popular car in California. But you know, I dropped a, a really good engine in it. Um, and this is like right away, you're like, oh, Shannon does talk a fucking lot, and it's so yeah. clearly juxtaposed with how little Gosling talks, um, and it's clear from the jump. Yeah, and I, I think the his whole demeanor is purposely. Um, opposite of gosling right and the way brian cranes it's it's so funny too because i just finished breaking bad 
uh, this week. And then, you know, Taylor's watched that with me and she watched drive with me and she goes, Oh, do I have to watch Brian Cranston die twice in one week? I was like, shut up. <laughs> yes, we're watching this. Um, but the did you really just did you really just spoil Breaking Bad for everybody? It's a ten year old show. People can just shut the fuck up, okay? Um, no, but but he he plays such a such a different character. Not not uh, you know just opposite from Gosling's character, but what we're used to him as like Walter White. He plays this kind of nervous guy who's like not quite sure of himself, but, and it's, it's interesting for this character to be like in this movie. And it's just, I, I, here's what I guess what I'm getting to is that he plays this character. That's just kind of sad and he doesn't play it that way, but you feel that this character is like just kind of pathetic and sad. And I, I just, love Brian Cranston for that. Cause he can just bring out that kind of, uh, character without overly acting that way. If you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Well, the other thing too, with him is with the character is not only is he sad, um, and Albert Brooks character sort of develops that with his net, you know, his talking and his exposition that he gives on him. Right. Um, but then also you can tell, especially from his interactions with Gosling, Gosling doesn't really trust him fully. Like he gave him this opportunity, but we keep getting information and we'll talk about as we go through about like, he's not a really great guy. And it's sort of subtle and Gosling accepts it. We're calling him Gosling because he doesn't have a name, his name in this driver. Yeah. Um, Or a kid. Um, But throughout you get these little, like these little tidbits that he is not a trust, uh, Cranston is not a trustworthy person. The the there's two uh lines in this film uh slash scenes that are just full of uh allegory. Uh and you know how much I love allegory, how much I love meaning behind the subtext of dialogue. Um and it's when Albert Brooks comes to the racetrack and Ryan Gosling is is taking the car for a spin. He comes out of the car. And he's like slowly taking off his driving gloves and Albert Brooks puts out his hand to shake it. And he goes, Gosling goes, uh, my hands are dirty. And Albert Brooks goes, yeah, mine are too. And I was just like, Oh, beautiful. Like that's just the way that kind of is, is awesome. It's a really, it's a cool line. One thing about it is um, it's, it's not, you know how, when you like, stick on a line to really emphasize it. And so when you do that, sometimes the line like this, you're like, Oh, you kind of made it corny. Um, in the movie, it's not, it's not like it's subtle, but it's not, they don't like, they don't stick on it to like drive in the point of like, Oh, his hands are dirty because of this. Right. But when, but this line was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And it does have that effect in the trailer, but for a trailer, I was like, fuck you. Let's go watch this movie. <laughs> The other one, the other line that I'm talking about is when uh, Gosling is sitting down with Benicio, the son, and they're watching that. Uh, I they they didn't say what it was. I just thought it was funny because Albert Book, Brooks plays a clownfish. Uh, he plays Nemo's dad, Marlin, in, in Finding Nemo, and then they're like watching a movie about sharks later on in the in the film. And so they I mean, have this very 
that very well could have been Finding Nemo because there is like very well been fine. It could have been that. It could have been a Shark's Tale with Will Smith. Who knows? Um, But the the best line too is is from that little kid. He was like, "Yeah, all, all sharks are bad." He's like, "He's like, how do you know he's bad?" He's like, "Look at him. He's a shark." And then of course later on, it's just it's it's the metaphor for or it's the um drawing similarities with like the loan sharks later on you know yeah and the other thing um i didn't say about the um so albert brooks was offered this part or i don't know if he was offered this part but i guess when he was first met with the director he like grabbed him by the collar and threw him up against the wall to just show that he could like do it because this is so against everything i've ever seen albert brooks in um it's just like kind of it's so it's so interesting like because he's so perfect for it like he does such an amazing job at this part um but you know but you know why he's perfect for it is because he is not a character like ron perlman who is just at every surface level a menacing looking guy and the character that albert brooks plays in this is supposed to be this kind of off-putting guy, but not like real menacing. And that, I think that's why it works. I also read that Ron Perlman was <laughs> talking to the director was like, I want to play a Jew that wants to be a, a gang. Or he's like, I want this part because it's a Jew that wants to be a, an Italian mafia guy. And he's like, I, you know, where I grew up, like, I know this guy, I, like, I know this part. Um, I just thought that was it. Like, it's like every single person is kind of perfect in their role. And even someone like you have Oscar Isaac just playing like a a part that's like crazy that he's doing. Um, So getting back to the chase, because we've like barely talked about the actual start of this movie. Watching it this time, you know, I was like, oh man, he's very into basketball and you don't realize it. Why? And it all connects later, but having watched it, you know, seven or eight times now. Um, and then he starts driving once the guy finally gets in his car. And the police are like, hey, uh, we're on a lookout for a silver Impala. And I was like, how did they know that so quickly? I wondered the same thing. I had the exact same question. And and the only thing I could think of is like, because they were hanging out there for like a bit too long. But like, that's not even a good answer. Maybe like there was a security guard who spotted him or something. But it, it, it it's interesting. Um, this the. The getaway is so cool. You know, he's following the one cop with his lights off. The cop turns and then he goes the other way. The bridge part is probably my favorite where he's like, he can see he's like, oh, wait, I think I might have made the car. And you just see Gosling waiting. And as soon as the light hits, he just fucking guns it. Yeah. Um, and then he hides out until the helicopter has to leave because it's L.A. So like someone got shot very quickly. Um, and then I just love the scene as he's pulling into Staples or pulling ne- into the parking lot next to Staples Center as like the buzzer, you know, the clock is winding down at the buzzer yeah. and he pulls in and then those guys are fucked, right? Like they're not, well, how, they're not kind of away. weird. He's like, he's like, you have me for five minutes, anything before and after you're on your own. It's like, wow, he really fucking means it too. Yeah. I don't even know what those guys do, honestly, because they're I, carrying like duffel bags full of shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, and they didn't seem to get the memo. They like he got out of the car very quickly, and they like didn't seem to get out that quickly. They didn't understand what was happening. Also, he like lost the cops, but the cops pulled right up to that garage. Like that part didn't make sense to me. 
Nah, just let it go, man. Let it go. I'm just saying. Didn't make sense. Um so yeah, then after that we get uh I it's so funny because we get what he does like when he's not being the driver for, for robberies, is he's he's a stunt man. He's like a yeah, he's a he's a stunt man double for movies. And this is where you get the connection to Shannon played by Brian Cranston directly, right? It's like not only does Shannon supply the cars and his job at the garage, but he's also the head of the stunt vehicles for for this job too, right? So it's like Shannon and him are integrated in every part of Driver's life. You know what I'm wondering now? Um, did they steal the Chevy Impala for the first job? And then he put, he said a 300 horsepower engine. I'm assuming that's not cheap. How much did they get paid for that first job? Well, you know what's interesting is it, I'm guessing the garage, like the the fact that it's a like a mechanics garage, they probably don't get paid that much uh, from from like the honest work, but like from like the souping up cars or like maybe he provides it for more than just just him. Like maybe he provides getaway cars for like multiple people who do this sort of thing right because he's involved with albert brooks who's involved with nino who we know has like gang history and stuff so i think most of their money is probably made in various ways that we just never hear about in the film well i mean they both kind of look poor right they don't make a ton so it kind of makes sense that they don't really make enough off of these jobs it's like just enough to kind of survive almost and cranston doesn't work with nino and bernie really that much anymore um, because I mean, Nino's the one that broke his fucking pelvis. So, or Nino's right. people. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. It was like, they are not making a lot of money off of these jobs. And so the first time that, you know, Shannon, Brian Cranston kind of shows you who he is and that he's not really like the greatest of guys is he's like, Hey, they want you to do a rollover, um, which is dangerous. But if you do it, it's an extra $500. Of course we split that. And it's like, why do you guys split that? Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, kind of like, he is really all about the money. You know, a, a couple scenes later, he's bragging to Irene that like, oh yeah, he came off the street and I paid him like a pittance compared to what he's actually worth, but he never complained about it. He's like, don't tell him. <laughs> don't tell him I said that. It's just like, so you fucking yeah. this guy over like this whole time he's worked for you and he's been a great worker too. And you're like, you're taking half of his <laughs> money when he does these dangerous stunts. Yeah, but it, it's... uh it's it's that relationship because that that makes me question what Gosling's character did before meeting Shannon, right? Like, was he homeless? Was he a criminal? And he's just kind of like a down on his luck criminal at that point. Like it 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 uh it it gives you this mystery that we really just don't dive into in the film. Yeah, so the fact that this is based off a book, I'm curious if there's more information in it and that may be something I want to look at. But this is also, this is a Heat 2 scenario, right? Right, like, right. Like, like it would make a perfect book, um, just the beginning and, and you know what happens a little bit after this. So he after this, he sees Irene in the supermarket and he kind of sort of tries to avoid her. But then when he goes outside, he just kind of rethinks it and is like, oh, I need to help her. Um, and he gives her a ride home. Um, and this is where he finds out about, you know, 
uh, Benicio, his father is in prison and, um, and, you know, this is just kind of the, the jumping off point for, you know, their relationship. Um, and you can tell like from the get go, cause I think they show him, he kind of sees her at a point before this and just kind of like, kind of looks at her a little bit. Like you can tell he's like sort of interested. And so then he's interested, but also as you brought up earlier, like, wants to keep her at a distance because what he does is not safe. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think he, he starts this relationship. I I might be reading this into this wrong. He starts this kind of relationship with her almost platonic, but then as soon as either he learns that her husband is in prison or he's being released soon, or when he actually gets to meet her husband and realizes that he's a shady guy. For me, that kind of gave him the go ahead. Like, Oh, her life is already a mess. Like what is my shit gonna, gonna do? Right. Like, like he got the green light from that. That's how I took it. That, that was his go for it moment. I think it says a lot more about you than it does about our boy, Ryan Gosling. Well, explain why he was so reserved in the beginning. And then he was like, Hey, let's, do a thing. Let's do the thing. I don't know Let's if he ever the got thing. the I don't know if he ever got the thing. I don't think he ever got the thing. I think the, the most he ever got was to like first base in that elevator. But it implied that they wanted like more of a relationship. And I feel like once he learned that her husband is in prison, that's when he was like, Oh, you like the dangerous types, huh? Hmm. No, what I think it was is he was trying to avoid her. And then once he started to help her, he just was like, I can't help what I'm, you know, I can't help these feelings, whatever. I'm just going to keep following him. But he was more sweet than what you're giving him credit for. But well, it, it also never, I mean, if that was true and he was like, you know, I want to do this, then what would make logical sense is that he would be trying to find a way out of this life to be more honest. But that was never really in the movie either. He just was kind of going with his day-to-day as usual i think he also really loves to drive i think that's like the major point is like that's the thing he loves to do right yeah um just like because i mean so the next scene is shannon meets with bernie rose um who is played by uh, albert brooks as we said and shannon's big fucking get rich quick scheme is nascar apparently (laughs) That's just like what it's going to be. Cause he's like, I got the driver. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Are we to believe that Ryan Gosling is better than every NASCAR driver? Is that what we're to believe? Better better than Jeff Gordon for sure. Um, and not only because that's the only NASCAR driver I know by name. Um, but, but you know, I'm willing to put some money on that. Hmm. Rainbow warrior. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt, <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. I don't. I, these names do not impress me. You think Jimmy they impress Jones. our audience? Probably not. Yeah, not the football coach. So yeah, I don't. I don't really understand that this. But the, it also it dovetails perfectly with Shannon being a fucking idiot and like not good at business. And this is like the first time we get hints at his yeah. relationship with Nino because like Nino enters the room and Shannon. And this is a testament to Brian Cranston. His just face changes, and you can tell immediately. And it's like so natural and so perfect. Um, 
and Nino's like, how's the leg? And his response is, I paid my debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not, oh, the leg's fine. It's like, I paid my debt. Like, leave me the fuck alone. Leave me alone. Yeah, that sort of thing. And and also, oh, man, he he's the one who broke his leg, right? And so he's like, Albert Brooks is like, hey, Nino, you remember Shannon? And Nino's like, no, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it's like what do you mean you don't remember me you fucking crippled me and then he's like ah, i'm fucking with you of course i remember him i was just that whole the whole relationship between those three is played out so well in such a short amount of time that when you get to the climax of the movie and things play out the way they do we as the audience we don't question we don't question anything nothing is in like doubt of like uh, would that have really gone down that way? Because they do such a good job in in developing those relationships. That's that's one thing about this movie is that it on all fronts, from Driver to Albert Brooks, from Albert Brooks to Shannon, from Shannon to Nino, Nino to Driver, they do such a good job in establishing how everyone feels about each other with barely saying anything. Well, and that's because it's such a simple story, right? Like you have a guy that robs, right? Meets a woman. Mm -hmm. There's these bad guys. They sort of have cross cross purposes, and then shit shit goes down. I I never have had trouble following this movie, like plot wise, until this watch, and it was only because of Oscar Isaac that I had to literally pause the movie, pull up Wikipedia, and read what exactly went down. And I'll explain to you once we get there. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that quite yet. Um, yeah, the only part that doesn't make sense is the guy shooting Oscar Isaac, who that guy was. I think that's just bad luck. I think it's just bad luck, but we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get to there because I read a, I read a certain Wikipedia page that explained it and, and I'll be more than happy to educate you on it. I doubt you'll ever educate me on anything. So the next, uh, Bernie Rose says he wants to meet the kid. And then we get the handshake scene that's next. And what's interesting about this handshake scene, um, and it's spooling a point I was going to make later, but whatever. Shannon goes in for the handshake and Bernie just kind of looks at him and walks away. And at the end of the movie, when Bernie kills him, Bernie sticks out his hand for the handshake. And that's how like should have been the telltale sign, although there's nothing Shannon could have done, right? Like Bernie was going to kill him. Was he going to hobble away with his broken pelvis? But he sticks his hand out and it's like, this guy never wants to shake your hand. So obviously him shaking your hand here is like a fucking trap basically. Um, but yeah, now they've just, they've seen him drive that stock car and they're like, holy shit, this kid's going to be so fucking good. Like we're going to win NASCAR. <laughs> What's interesting too. And I never really thought about the, the whole shaking your hand thing, but at the end of the film, Gosling calls Brooks and says, hey, you ever heard of the story about the scorpion and the frog? And that has a lot to do with how every death in this entire movie goes down, except for maybe Oscar Isaacs. But everything between Nino, Shannon, Brooks, and Driver, it's all up to, like, who stings first. And I, I until you said that, I never quite, like like, got the connection. Yeah, well, it's also, if you kind of see Gosling as the scorpion, every single one of them underestimates the scorpion. Yeah. And to their own peril, right? Like the guys that go to to kill him. 
the whole story about the the scorpion and the frog though is that the scorpion stabs the frog even if they're in the middle of the stream and so they both drown and you see what happens to him at the end of the movie too so i just think the whole thing is is off of that one line that's given like five minutes before the movie ends which i thought was interesting yeah although i don't think i mean as i've said i don't think gosling dies in this in the original version he like for sure dies and then they kind of took that out to make it more ambiguous but i mean he drives off and he got stabbed once by a elderly man in the stomach i think he's fine i think he's fine um the next scene is when i irene comes to the shop and she's like oh i need my car fixed there's like not many like funny funny lines in this but you know he's you know he gives her the whole deal about how driver got hired there and then she's like oh why doesn't he take you home and he's like yeah sure and then he's like i don't have I don't have wheels on my car. And he's like, who oh, do you want to go put wheels on? He's like, yeah, yeah, let me go do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's like Ryan Gosling's just charming. So it's like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. He's my dude. He's my dude. That's all I, I love. Say. The, it's just, he's charming. I love the, you want to fuck him. I get it. I, I love the driving along <laughs> the LA river scene. And this is when a real hero plays. You're right. Um, that's really good. And just, he's like, he could take them home, but he's like, oh, let's go do something with your son, which I'm sure Standard has never done, you know, for for his son because he just hasn't been there, right? Um, what so a name. Was... Is that just name. for the fucking joke, right? Or is St- I've never heard Standard <sighs> as a name before or after this. I don't know, but but talking about funny lines in this movie... And and Oscar Isaac, and not to say like he's a forgettable character because just because I forget every time he's in the movie, it's just he's in the movie such a short amount of time, right? But um, the his acting is amazing. When when we're first introduced to him, and uh, or at least when the when uh, Gosling is first introduced to him, it's in the hallway and he's taking out the trash trash with Benicio, yep. and Oscar Isaac is like. Hey, so I heard you you come over sometimes and help out, and I mean it should be like kind of a nice conversation. It's like, oh, you you help out my wife and and my son when I'm in prison. I really appreciate that. They couldn't have done it without you. The whole car thing, right? But the, just the, his acting and the way his he comes about it, it just feels like he just he's he's saying don't fuck with my family without ever having to say it. And Gosling knows it. He's just he's being real stoic the whole time, you know, as he as he does. And the the subtlety of Oscar Isaac is like, I just got out of prison. I can't fucking stab this guy right now, even though I really want to. So I'll just play nice. Even Carrie Mulligan in the background is like, uh, do you want me to get the trash for you? And he's like, no. And just the whole thing is is just he does such a great job. So the first few times I ever saw this movie, I think the way he did it, I felt he was not, I thought he was actually being sincere. Like, Oh, you came around. Thank you. You know, thank you for taking care of my family. And this time when I saw it, I was like, no, he's trying to intimidate Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling understands that he's trying to, and he just gives him a smile back. And he's like, Oh, you were taking care of my family. You were coming around. You were coming around a lot. Thank you for that. And he just says, you're welcome. Like just, which is not, it's not a real thank you. And so his, you're welcome back to him is just basically like, 
yeah, go fuck yourself. I don't, I'm not scared of you. Standard Rodriguez or whatever the fuck your last name is. So I, that, like to your point about how great his acting in that it's so like nuanced to the point of where I think you could see it both ways of him being sincere, but then him also like trying to intimidate this guy who's just like, I, I don't fucking get intimidated. Um, and I think it's like that the little bit Oscar Isaac has to do in it is like, he does so well with it. Um, there's a couple scenes before we get back to that part though. Um, we get the scene from her where she's like, she's having him take her to work and it's kind of like a date for them really. And she's like, you know, cause she's like fixing her hair and like saying like someone's watching the kid, but then she's basically wearing her work outfit, you know? Yeah. So it's like, she's a single mother whose like husband is in prison. So it's like, she doesn't have time for dates or anything. Like she's like constantly working or hanging out with her kid. So their date is Ryan Gosling driving her to work. That's the time they get together. But she's like, right. like, yeah, I just heard from the lawyer and, he gets out in a week and you're just like with how like short the scenes are, it's just like, it's already sad for Ryan Gosling. You know what I mean? Cause the fact that he has no dialogue, you paint this character as kind of a guy who's a loner. And so he right. finds this woman that are equally interested in each other and it's kind of taken out of his hands so quickly. Um, it's just good. The next scene is when they buy the stock car. And for some reason, Nino decided to come along and he's like, he's like, I don't know why you want this fucking stock car. And he's like, oh, now here's this motherfucking pussy wagon motherfucker. And I know it's like a, it's like a line you hear all the time, but when Shannon's like, that dude, that motherfucker can find pussy in a whorehouse. It's like so funny to me. Although I don't understand why that car costs like three hundred thousand dollars. It's a, it's a NASCAR stock car. So it's Is, like, do they do they run that high? Fast as fuck, yeah. Probably good ones are probably more, yeah. Jesus, okay. Like I'm pretty sure a Ferrari isn't even that much. Uh, yeah, this car's probably faster, right? Okay, I, I don't know. I mean, is are is that how you measure the car's worth? Is how fast it goes? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what you do. Okay, okay. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Um. And then we get this the line that we talked about earlier, but uh, Bernie Rose is like, Shannon never had any luck. And then he talks about how he worked with him on the movies. And then he got involved with Nino and Nino's people, you know, broke his pelvis. Um, and it's just like the way Albert Brooks delivers his lines, you know, it's such Albert Brooks. He has like such a distinct voice when you hear him, but it's so menacing the way he's telling him the story. Cause he's just like, he's basically warning Ryan Gosling, like, Hey, you're in it with us now, so don't fuck up without yeah. ever saying and just sort of telling stories. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so we get our first look at Cook when uh Gosling is coming into the parking garage, and it's a it's a really well done scene where it's like you see Benicio the son and then you just hear Oscar Isaac being like, "Hey, it's okay, don't be scared, don't tell your mom, blah blah blah, this is our secret." And then we see how bad those two tracksuit guys beat the fuck out of Oscar Isaac, and 
Ryan Gosling doesn't say anything. He just walks to Benicio. We don't hear that conversation. It's just probably like, hey, are you okay? You want me to take you back to your apartment? Blah, 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 blah. And Oscar Isaac's just on the ground like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, great. Like, he's going to definitely tell my wife. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, and I think this is really where the movie takes off. And there's like one minor scene right before this. Gosling's at a diner. And this guy comes up to him. He's like, hey, you're the guy on that old job. We used a new guy and he, uh, we got caught. My, you know, my brother died and I did six months. He's like, hey, we got more work. And he's like, shut your mouth. I'll kick your fucking teeth down your throat. And this is the first time that we've seen like the violent side of him mm-hmm. in the movie. Like we didn't know this existed before mm-hmm. now. He's just like right. a quiet guy that drives. Um. And so this scene is important because then in the next part, he finds Standard and Benicio and he's like, hey, yeah, you know, he goes to Benicio and, you know, takes him upstairs, make sure he's safe. And then he helps uh, Standard get cleaned up and Standard, he's like, you know, what did those guys want? And he's like, Standard's like, why the fuck do you care? What are you going to do? And he just stares at him until he tells him. He's like, just tell me what's happening. Um, and then we also, the the scene with the bullet, I just love that. I love the way it comes back to it later on. Um, he's like, you want me to, he gave you that bullet. You want me to, you want me to hold on to it for you so you don't lose it. Just like so calmly and calculated. Yeah. And I think at this point, a somewhat plot is forming in this movie <laughs> um, where we kind of understand that, that, Gosling is going to help Oscar Isaac in this job to get him out of the debt um, with these people. What I really like about this movie is that the plot isn't all laid out for you. You, you right when you kind of start to like trying to get what is happening and what path this movie is going down, it surprises you. Um, In this case, when they set up the meeting between cook and Isaac and Driver, and then you have Blanche, um, played by Christina Hendricks, comes onto the scene. Um, and this is kind of something I didn't understand because Gosling to Cook is like, "Hey, listen, once this is done, Standard's debt is paid off," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this much for you, this much for him," and then all it said was "fuck you." I just was like little harsh like not a very good business guy here well except i mean he's kind of he's like a made man i don't know if he's actually a made made man but he's like in with these guys right so he doesn't fear anybody he doesn't you know cook doesn't think he needs to be worried about this random fucking dude and he's like he's like you know ryan gosling is like making demands of him like hey we're gonna do this and then his debt is paid and he's basically like you don't fucking tell me what to do because he doesn't know he doesn't know about the guys um, and that's to his <laughs> to his detriment, right? Um, and there is the it's not an important scene, but it's it's you know it's the funny scene with the uh, the dinner when they invite him to dinner and the standard line. She's like, "Where's the deluxe version?" And we do find out that he's like, "You know, I walked out of your mom and she was nineteen. She's like seventeen. He's like seventeen. So it was illegal. <laughs> um, that whole little bit. Um, but then we get to." Yeah, the scene you you talked about with Cook, and the, the one line from Cook that I think is really funny too is like he sees Gosling, he's like, "You look like you're hard to work with." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Um, but you know, this is this is uh, this is the way. And uh, here's where I had a little bit of trouble following the plot, and it was weird for me this time having trouble with it because I I never had trouble or I never really thought that much about it before. Um, but I guess since you know I knew we were going to talk about it and analyze it, is that this is how it went down. So they're going to rip off this this shop. I think it was a pawn shop. And obviously it was like some sort of front um, for this gang that was holding all this money. It was like a million dollars. But from my understanding, uh, Nino hired Cook, who hired Blanche and Standard and him to go rob this guy. And I'm pretty sure Cook and Blanche double-crossed Nino by hiring... Uh, that other car no no they sent standard and ryan gosling and blanche to take the money and then the other car was from nino to steal that so there'd be no trace of nino stealing the money because nino says in the end that these billy wise guys were trying to move into california into their territory so the guys the guys that were sent to get the money from ryan gosling are nino's guys but Nino also sent Cook to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. It was like everyone was in on it except for Standard and Ryan Gosling. Okay. So that way the pawn shop owner only sees this Standard guy. And then eventually the Standard guy is going to be dead because the pawn shop guy works for the Philly guys. So you can't just send Cook in there to rob it. Now, the unlucky part of this for Standard is that this pawn shop guy fucking killed him. And also, why was Standard in there for so long? No, no, no. I'm reading the the plot analysis now. So Blanche admits the bag contains a million dollars, and she and Cook plan to re-steal the money for themselves using the car that chased them. Cook works for Nino. Yeah, and he was going to double cross. No, there's a scene where Nino says that's what they were doing. (laughs) Okay, well then Wikipedia, Wikipedia has it wrong. Wikipedia that could be written by anybody. Well, it was written by someone who did not understand the plot. Very clearly. I mean, it's not explained very well, but I mean, Nino was trying to get the money back and Cook works for him. Um, it, at any of it, doesn't matter. So there's this other car that comes up as they're doing the robbery. Very conspicuously, it just like pulls up and then parks in the parking lot. It's like, you have to know what's going on there. And then, as I said, Standard takes for fucking ever in there. He doesn't even come out with anything. What's he right. doing? Again, exactly. Why? I don't know why he didn't just tie up the guy in he there. Had or... a, he had to take a piss break. He just had to hold the guy at gunpoint while he was... he was. Maybe there's uh... another dude in the pawn shop who he just... I don't know. It does, so it's whatever. Uh, and then we get a really fucking cool chase scene. Um and Gosling kind of sits there for a while as, like, Standard gets shot. He looks at it. He gets out of his car. And then he sees him get shot, like, four more times. He's like, oh, fuck. And then he gets out of there. Right. Yeah. It, but, you know, I, Gosling is a good guy in this, right? Like, he, he's a criminal, but he's a good guy. So he gets up to help Standard because he doesn't want Benicio to grow up without a dad. Right? That, that's his whole motivation. He, he doesn't give a shit about Standard. And then when he realizes that there's no coming back from this, like standard is dead. He's like, all right, got to go. So after the 
scene, uh, after the chase scene, we get to this hotel. And you said Ryan Gosling is a good guy. And I think it's very interesting that you have our main character, who we think is a good guy, like slap the shit out of a woman. I mean, if you're going to be like equal rights, I mean, he she double crossed him like. She kind of deserved to get this shit slapped out of her. Equal rights, equal fights. Is that what you're saying? Equal rights, equal fights, man. But the thing is, though, is that he's pressed, right? He he needs this information because if he's willing, if he's planning to survive the next whatever, 12, 24 hours, he needs to know what's up. And And right now, Blanche is the only one that knows what's up. So he needs the whole information out of her. My whole point is, you usually in a movie don't portray your hero slapping a woman. I mean, he does backhand her very good. Um, it's also, we find out there's only supposed to be like 40,000 in there, and it's a million. Um, he then calls Irene as the police are there, and the police aren't like, hey, who's that calling? <laughs> who's on the phone over there? Which I guess maybe she's like not a suspect in this. She's just like, I don't know. I don't know what the police are doing there. If she's not a suspect, it'd just be a phone call. Like, hey, he's dead. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then I'd say like the first time I saw this fucking Blanche's death was so unexpected. Christina Hendricks. Um, you see the door jiggle, you know, like, Oh, they're coming through. And then a split second later, you see a dude from outside the back window and her head just gets fucking blown half off. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? Because she kind of, brought it upon herself right she she made it seem like she wasn't aware that it had a million dollars in there that it was just 40 grand even though she's the one who carried it out whatever um but she said she was surprised she didn't know that it was that much money and you would think that if they did not tell her that it was that much money that she would be suspicious about like her being a loose end like oh if they weren't gonna give me that the, my percentage then they're going to kill me right because it's way more than we agreed upon why did she call cook's guys to tell them where she was at if it was already suspect that that they were already lying to her i don't i think she was lying to him she was lying to gosling she was just trying to you know survive you know this guy who i mean gosling's crazy to her I mean, it seems like this crazy man, and then he beats the shit I out guess, of him. I guess, I guess. So you're saying that she lied telling Gosling, hey, I didn't know it was, it was a million yeah, dollars. Playing, I, she, I just thought it was 40000 Yeah, she's playing dumb. And then when he hits her, she's like, oh, you know, they were trying to double-cross you or whatever. You know, she kind of spills the beans on everything. And then he's like, all right, we'll go get ready. And that's when the door jiggles. Um, and then he looks and, down on her phone, right? That's a cool moment. He looks yeah. down on the phone. He's like, he sees the phone. And then he sees the shadow, and then the, he connects everything real quick. I, I thought that was cool. And some crazy good deaths right there. Uh, you know, stabbing the one dude with what, the shower curtain rod, and then shooting the other guy with the shotgun, and then just the crazy look on his face as the blood's all over it. Um, so good. Insane. And then, and then we get to Shannon, who cannot just stop talking about the money, and how much he wants the money, and how good the money would be for them, and we should take the money. Let's get the money. And Brian Gosley's like, Will you just stop it? Like, we're not doing that. This is another interesting thing that I kind of had to look up, and now I'm not sure about anything I, I read on the internet anymore. Um, 
But the the other thing was, is that how did Nino figure out who Driver was? Because they never met, right? And it was at this moment where I thought back, okay, so Shannon said, do you have Cook's first name? And he's like, I think it's Chris. And he's like, I know a guy and I'm going to call around to see if he knows who he is. That is Albert Brooks character, right? That he talks about. He's like, hey, my guy just got off of a job that went awry. And he's like, he got screwed over by a guy named Chris Cook. Now, in Albert Brooks' mind, he's like, oh, the guy, your driver, Chris Cook, my guy, Nino's guy. So that's how they figure out that that that's the connection, right? That's how they connect. Oh, we got to go kill Shannon, the driver, and Carrie Mulligan's character. Well, yeah, and I mean, that comes to a head later because after the elevator scene, which we're going to talk about, there's the scene between Shannon Gosling. He's like, they tried to kill her. What the fuck did you do? And he's like, how did I know? He's like, I went to Bernie. How did I know that that was like who I shouldn't have gone to? So he tells Bernie and Bernie's just on the other line. You fucking idiot. You're telling the people who were, you know what I mean? You're telling me about Nino's guys. So he right. knows it's Nino. Well, he um, does. He, he, before that, though, he he tracks down Cook by the, no, what I'm is just, it, yeah, script clip? Yeah, I know. I'm just explaining what you just said, though. The, like, that's the reason that Nino, you know, that Nino knows about Gosling because Shannon went to Brooks and Brooks talked to Nino and Nino went right. after. Um, yeah, the next scene is the strip club. This is a fucking iconic scene too. It's, it's a whole movie. Um, I love when he puts the bullet down the dude's throat. And it's funny. He comes in, he busts the dude's fucking hand up. And like, initially there's a couple girls that kind of run away, but then the rest of the time they're just sort of watching and they almost seem like coked out. Right, There's yeah. Like very little reaction going on. The first stripper is the is the hilarious one where he's like, "Hey, where's Chris?" She's like in his dressing room, and then he like turns and he turns back. And he's like, "Where the fuck is his dressing room?" She's like over there. He's like, "Okay." Yeah. Um. And then Cook says, "Call Nino," right? Which at this, I mean, he says, "Call Nino," so I think he's still working with Nino, obviously, which is why I think that. Nino was well, Ryan the, Gosling. Ryan Gosling is like, call the guy that hired you to do this job, and then he tells the girls to call Nino. But at this point, Gosling doesn't know who Nino is. He has yes, he does. He does. Nino was at the at the garage with Shannon and Bernie when he's like, "Oh, that's a pussy mobile." <sighs> Fuck yeah, you're right. Okay, so so as soon as as soon as Cook says call Nino, that's when the dots are all connecting. But. Yeah, but Gosling acts like he doesn't know who Nino is right there, which is really interesting. Like, when I watched it this time, I was like, he's acting like he doesn't know who that is, but he fucking met that guy. He was at the shop with him. Was his name mentioned? Like, maybe he actually doesn't make the connection. I don't know. I think he does. Um, How many guys are named Nino in, in L.A., I guess, right? If he doesn't make the connection then, he makes the connection when he talks to him on the phone because it's a very, it's not a normal voice. <laughs> that's true Ron, Ron Perlman's pretty distinct um, and then Nino immediately sends a guy and this is when the elevator scene and it's he tells he tells Irene everything and this does show you how good of a guy he is right like he doesn't sugarcoat it he doesn't lie he's just like this is what happened and then he 
there's almost like something a little off about his character, right? Because he then just offers her all of the money and she's like, he's like, you could go away. Maybe I could come with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like a like a wounded puppy. It's just so a wounded sad. puppy is a great way to describe him. And the way he gets slapped and he doesn't even flinch. He gets slapped and he just goes right back to his conversation. You know? And he's like, I could come. I could look out for you. Um and it's 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 funny. You see this in like real life and in movies all the time. She is taking her anger out on him, but he is not the reason. She, he's not the person she should be mad at. She right, should but, be but mad the, at Standard and these other people. But he's um, dead. But he, so, but but this is the guy in front of her who's telling her. It's like almost shooting the messenger a little bit. But like, oh, you shouldn't. What he shouldn't have agreed to help Standard because Standard would have been more had a better chance of being alive. You know, doubtful. Um, and then we get to the elevator scene, and this is like. This movie has been violent up to a point, but like the way he just stomps through this guy's head. Tan suit, tan suit guy. Yeah. Um, they get on there and I love this. I love this scene. You know, the guy, they open the elevator opens. The guy's like, Oh, sorry, wrong floor. and stays on there. And then Ryan Gosling knows something's up. And the way he subtly moves her back behind him, uh, to safety and then turns around he's like i'm gonna get this kiss that's how he's not that wounded he's like i'm gonna get this kiss before and then i was really paying attention to the scene this time because he gets the kiss and then he turns to the guy and kind of like han shot first gosling sort of starts making the move first because he sees the gun that he does give but what i'm saying is he makes the move first beats the shit on this guy kills him by disintegrating his head into the floor. Like he steps through this guy's head until he's hitting floor. That's called a curb stomp. The the curb stomps usually stop at some point. But my (laughs) point is this. Irene watches all this and she's like, what the fuck did you just do? What just happened? Because in her mind, he just attacked this guy. (laughs) Like, did she notice the guy moving too like no but but i i think well see that's the thing right it's like the han shot first scenario like you said because he he went to pull his gun at the same you could argue at the same time that gosling gosling attacks him it's just gosling is a better fighter now do you know but does where, she notice that but does she notice that well that's the question right because at this I mean, point she, she she's, she's just like insane. he's a fucking psycho <laughs> yeah psycho. Yeah, yeah yeah now do you recognize the tan suit guy well, I mean, he was in Nino's, and he said, Nino told him to go. No, no, no. Like in other films. Oh, no, 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 no. All right, ready for this? He's ready. in Bloodsport. Two. Two. Oh, well, no, no. Okay, never. I've never seen Bloodsport two. <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's not it's it's not even remotely the same thing. <laughs> what if he was just in Bloodsport? <laughs> I I may or may not have recognized him at that point. Um. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think the way she looks at him after this is just like, what the fuck? And, and you know, no wonder she's just like, I'm out. Um, So we get to the Shannon and Driver scene, and he's like, he's like, I should fucking kill you, Shannon. Um, And then he's like, my favorite line, why are you such a fuck up, Shannon? And then he tells him, you have to leave now. And this is, this is crazy. He tells him you have to leave. It's nighttime. 
that scene's at night. Shannon, you have to leave. The next morning, we have Bernie at Nino's. And he's like, you should have left the kid alone and just taken the money like he offered. And then it's about like the sun is setting and Shannon is at his fucking garage still having not left. Why did it take you so long to leave? Like, if you had left, just go grab your stuff. Like, grab a few things and get the fuck out of there and you would have been alive. Why are you... He was there, like, 16 hours later. He was still at his fucking shop. You know what's funny is that it's, like, the same character flaw that Walter White has in Breaking Bad is, is Shannon is very greedy. And so it's like he had to go back to his shop to, like, get all the money that he's accumulated over the years to like take with him. But if he just like, if he just cut and dry, if he just like left from the parking lot that he was talking to Ryan Gosling in and never went back to his shop, if he just fucking left town from there, he would have lived. Um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, you're right. And like, not only did he go back to his shop and like gather his things, but he got a good night's rest over there too. Like what? I don't know. I don't know what he was fucking. I mean, maybe he went and slept somewhere else and then was like, I need to go back and get stuff. But it's like, go get the stuff now. I don't know. I just bad luck. Um, The scene between Nino and Albert Brooks is so good, too. And he's like, he's explaining to him. He's like, yeah, I took this money. There was this guy from Philly who was trying to come out here and get in on our action. So I took his million dollars. Um. And then Nino's like, we have to tie up all these loose ends. He's like, the kid and Shannon have to go. And the look <laughs> between Cook or between Nino and Bernie about Cook is just he's like looks and looks over at Cook and then looks back at him. And Nino's just like, yeah, yeah you got to do it. And so unnecessary to stab him with a fork in the eye. Just makes no sense. Fucking cool. But makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but also, like, as the audience, it's kind of satisfying because Cook is such a shit person. Like, you don't really care what happens to him. He stabs him in the eye and he's just freaking out. And he's like, what? No, no. And then just fucking stabs him in the throat several times. And then he's like, now you're going to clean up my mess, which is such a fucking cool line. Because he's like, now I have to go clean up all of Nina's shit. Um, the scene with him and Shannon, um, Albert Brooks and, and Brian Cranston is so good because you have two really fucking great actors just like sharing the screen in this way. And he's like, you know, he catches him kind of leaving town. He's like, you, what are you, you getting out of here? And he's like, oh yeah, just take a, take a little vacation. There's a line in, uh, that, um, Bernie says, Albert Brooks says, and it's something along the lines of he looks at the car and he's like, I was excited about this. And just the way he said it triggered something in like my subconscious. And I was like, wait, that's the fucking clownfish from Finding Nemo. And it was just like the the and it's I didn't hear it throughout all the other dialogue that Albert Brooks said, but it was just the the fluctuation of his voice that he's like i was excited about this and i was like wait and i was like i i don't know i got excited at that part because i got excited about this because i was like oh my god he's a disney character i mean there's some other great lines in this too he's like uh brian cranston says uh it's just uh you know you're here i figure it's bad news he's like no bad luck just once again kind of reaffirming like shannon cannot catch a break yeah. And then shakes his hand and fucking cuts him. And he's like, no, no, don't worry. It's over now. It's in no pain. You're, you're just going to die. Um, 
he does tell him that Gosling left town. And I, it's weird. Like Bernie seems to believe him because like Bernie believes him. And then Nino seems to like not be looking for Gosling anymore. Um, what I found interesting overall about this is that for purposes of the movie, it makes sense, but don't you think Bernie would have just sent some guys or I guess maybe the explanation for that is they don't want people to know about this. So he needs to kill Shannon himself because they're trying to keep this under wraps. And so he has to explain to his guys why you're killing Uh, Shannon. uh, Yeah. Well, there's a couple ways you can look at this, right? It's um, Shannon says he's left town. I think he says Mexico, I think, right? Or is it Belize? He's like Belize, That's Mexico, Mexico yeah. whatever. And um, he kills him. And then Ryan Gosling comes to the shop. For what reason, I guess, just to check in on him? But shouldn't he have been gone by then? That's, I, I don't know. Maybe he was needing a car. No, because he stole the car. I don't know then. I don't know why Ryan Gosling went back to the shop. But um, you... You you say that wouldn't they go back to like kind of tie up the loosen of Gosling and not believe him? They did with the tan suit guy. I don't think they know he's dead yet. Um, no, no, they know that the tan they suit know? guy that happens all very quickly. The tan suit guy's killed, and then the next conversation is between Nino and Bernie, and at that point they know he's killed because he's like because. Ryan Gosling calls Nino and is like, here, take your money and leave me a fuck alone. He sends the guy. He kills the guy in the elevator. And then the next scene is Bernie saying, why don't you just fucking give him your, the money or take the money and leave the guy alone like he asked. So they know that happened. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm... And I think Gosling's still in town because he's still protecting Irene. He like can't leave her. So he's like just he's like has to end this. Well, then it kind of becomes a revenge story once he realizes that Shannon was killed, right? Um, unless, unless no, because he wouldn't think that Shannon killed himself because where's the where's the suicide weapon? Where's the straight razor, right? And that scene where Albert Brooks cleans it off and puts it back into his like knife what collection. What fucking box is that? What I was one else. What like what kind of? It's like this most random weird knife collection. Like they all look like distinct ones. That it's not a set. Right, right, and then it's but it's it's just Albert Brooks killing tools. Um, do Do you think that he got a bunch of knives first and was like, "All right, I need a box for this," or did he get a box and then was like, "I need knives to fill this out"? I think maybe over the years he's killed people with different knives, and those are just the different knives he's accumulated over the years. Uh, he's like, "Oh, these are the best killing tools," and, and it's funny too because it doesn't show up at the at the end of the movie. He stabs Ryan Gosling. It has to be one of those knives, right? Like he used a straight razor to kill Shannon. He cleans it off. He puts it back. And it doesn't show this, but he probably takes another one of those to, to go to kill Gosling with. Um, but what I was getting to at that is that as soon as Gosling realizes Shannon is dead, it then becomes a revenge story where he's like, okay, now I have to kill Bernie and Nino, because if they're capable of killing Shannon, then they're definitely capable of still coming after Irene and Benicio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, okay, they're going to kill everyone that knows me that was involved, so they're going to kill her too. Um, I love the scene where he kills Nino. You know, the beginning of it's just, it's like this operatic music. There's no dialogue. And in fact, up until he kills him, there's only like, a, I think there's like one line from Nino and that's it. Like, 
there's this one point where he goes up to the window of the what is it? I guess it's a pizzeria. It's a fucking Nino's pizzeria. Yeah. Goes up to it in that stupid fucking mask that is supposed to look real, but you know, only looks real from far off. It's creepy as fuck. It's so creepy. And he looks through the door and you see Nino and it's so funny. You can't hear what has happened, but Nino is belly laughing as this woman is looking at him disgusted. He's just like, Nino's such a dick. You can imagine what he's done, like what he said. Right. Um, and then Ryan Gosling comes up behind them in the car after Nino leaves and hits them and knocks them off. And Nino's like, what the fuck is that? Just like, oh, that was that was weird. Oh, no. It's his, like his driver gets out of the me? car. <laughs> yeah, his driver gets out of the car and he's like, huh, I wonder who that was. He's like, oh, let's get out of here. Like so casually. You just stole a million dollars from the Philly mafia and you're just like. What could this be? This is a fender bender. This guy drove off. I should get my insurance involved. Yeah, and then uh, it's such a cool. So from here on, it's it's like my favorite scene. Is the it's, it's really had me appreciate cinematography from watching this film. Is uh, Nino's face shot through the wind, uh, like the side uh, windows, and you, then in the distance you see the headlights come on. And he just rams them, like flips the car over into the the beach. And then you have the, I mentioned this, but I'm going to mention it again because it's so awesome. You have the lighthouse light circulating round and round as Gosling with the mask still on his face is walking up to Nino as Nino is trying to retreat into the ocean. But the waves keep pushing him back to Gosling. Oh, my God. And it doesn't show. And I don't remember this because I thought you saw the kill, but you don't really. Right. You you see it at like a very uh, at a at a distance. Yeah. I mean, you're just assuming he's drowning him. Right. Because then the call afterwards, he's like, your friend Nino didn't make it across the river. Um, yeah. But I want to know is he doesn't need that mask after walking up to the window of the place, which is also a scene from the trailer really throws you off as to what this movie's going to be about. He doesn't right. need that mask after that. Like, there's no that serves no purpose. It's creepy. It's yeah, menacing. I get, I get it, but he could easily kill Nino with or without it. Because um, Nino, at this space, I think at one point he says he's like, "I'm almost sixty years old, Bernie." They treat me like I'm a fucking kid when he's talking about the uh, the mafia. He's like, "They pinch my fucking cheeks." Somehow, um, somehow, Ryan Gosling's mask looks more like a face than Ron Perlman's face. Jesus. Um, He calls Irene, and this is after he's already talked to Brooks, and Brooks is like, meet me at the Great Wall restaurant. He calls Irene, I have to go. I'm not coming back. I just want you guys to know you're the best thing to ever happen to me. Um, The scene, I think it's maybe some of Albert Brooks' best work is in the last scene when he's just like, you know, I have a deal, you know. I think what makes him perfect is his voice. And the way he speaks, you know, the cadence at which he speaks in this movie is just so perfect. 100%. The way he, the way he asks, where's the money? And Gosling's like, it's in the, it's in the car. And the way Albert Brooks goes, okay, let's, uh, let's go get it. And he like tilts his head. He's like, come on, let's, let's go get it. It's just like, it's, it's a nothing line. It's just, let's go get it. But the way he says it is like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, you know? Yeah, and then the offer is like the girl will be safe. I'm gonna, you know, basically I'm gonna let you go, but 
you're going to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life, which is interesting. Why is he? Do you think it's because they're like, they're going to sell him out to the other? I mean, Bernie's not going to chase after him. So they're probably going to sell him out to the rest of the mafia, right? Yeah, I guess. The scene kind of reminds me of the one from The Godfather where he has to go and meet them and shoot them in the thing in the restaurant. And um, he's just like, like, you know, it's going to go down, but you don't know when. And then it's it's in the parking lot. And the whole the whole thing, it kind of like the scorpion and the frog, right? It's just it could have let it go. It could have just, you know, gone over the river. Um, it was literally giving the money back. And then he just fucking stabs him in the stomach. And then you don't even see Gosling stabbing Brooks in the neck, I assume. Because then the whole rest of that scene is you just see their their shadows, which I thought was really interesting. It's not something I remember um, previously, but it will stick with me now. Well, also, Albert Brooks could have taken his own advice to Nina. Why don't you just give him the money and let him go? Yeah. Well, or take the money and let him go. Take the money and let him go, yeah. Also, why does Albert Brooks think he can take this guy that has killed Nino, killed the dude in the elevator with a gun? Like, what in him <laughs> leads him to believe that he's capable at this age of doing like this? 70-year-old man taking out Ryan Gosling. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I think because maybe he thinks he has to jump on him. The The surprise. Maybe stab him in the heart instead of the square in the stomach and the belly button. You know, maybe go for, you know, better he, positioning. Yeah, but see, that's the thing, man. He didn't bring his heart stabbing knife. He brought his stomach stabbing knife. That's true. He yeah, didn't, maybe he didn't plan through. Uh, and then why does Gosling leave the money? Is maybe he just he's like, oh, there's too much, there's too much baggage with this. I don't know. Maybe it's just Irene didn't want it, so he's like, money no good. Irene no one. <laughs> I, I thought about that too, but then I thought, I think you're right. I think there's too much heat that goes along with, with carrying that. And it's like, I don't know Maybe, if someone finds the body. Mm. Yeah. If it, the mafia guys hear a report of, Oh, Bernie Rose was found with a million dollars and blood all over it. They're like, Oh, well there's our million dollars. So he had it. Um, And what's, there's like a little bit of a sad ending to it. This because Irene knocks on his door and he's gone. And then we just see him what we think is like, Oh, he's dying. But then he sort of gets up and just drives away. Um, and so it's like, they, you know, whether you think he lives or dies, if he lives, it's still sad because they don't get to be together. Right. At mm-hmm. least the way this yep. movie presents it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, which badass. It, is this why it's called drive? Cause he, he does a lot of that throughout the movie. Yeah. It could have been called yeah. like head stomp or stabby stabby would have been a good one. I um fucking love this movie. Uh I love Ryan Gosling. Big fan of Carrie Mulligan. Big fan of Albert Brooks. Brian Cranston. Cranston. Just awesome. But this movie is so it's just like it's badass, but then there's so much more to it. Um It's even got boobs in one scene, too, which is just yeah, like that's true. That's right. Key to a good movie. So uh it's fucking awesome that's my that's my final takeaway it's fucking awesome you know this is the third time i've seen the movie and when people tell you like oh why do you watch movies like the same movie over and over again it it, this surprised me that i i took away much more this time around than i did the other two um 
like I don't even know if I took anything away different than this when I watched this the second time, like eight years ago, except for the fact that like I still thought the cinematography was great. Um, but with me appreciating the acting and the dialogue so much more, it's it's uh it's a movie that I could imagine myself in another maybe like in five to seven years watching again and taking something else away from it. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great movie. I'm glad we did this film. This is our last movie um, that we are doing the, I finally rewatched sort of thing. Uh, and I'm glad we ended with drive because the other movies, even though I either enjoyed them more, or enjoyed them less I think I actually took something a lot uh, different away from from this film. So, yeah. And then now we have next year. Now we have all of 2023 uh, to watch movies that one of us has never seen before. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And we finally rewatched Drive.